Yay disrupts Paris Fashion Week, Angelina Jolie comes forward about Brad Pitt's alleged abuse, and are the gala theorists imploding the fandom? We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past and present. We would also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are still learning from today. This proudly always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Can you believe we are already talking about the Met Gala again? Again! It's like it just happened, which Mm. it really did. (laughs) Oh, was there one like earlier this year? Yeah, so the one that everyone is talking about is May the 1st, right, which is like a good seven months away and I love that we're already getting into the drama of the Met Gala. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's seven months away. Yeah, the internet is bickering and for good reason, I would say. Mm -hmm. So the theme of next year's Met Gala has been announced. It's Karl Lagerfeld, A Line of Beauty, and people are not happy with this theme. Mm. Yeah, so as we can recall, the Met Gala always comes with a theme. The last two years have been iterations of In America, which is so random. But anyway, but next year's theme sees Carl as the third designer-based theme that the Met has had. So in the past, they've had Alexander McQueen back in 2011 and Ray Kawakobo, founder of Comme des Garçons in 2017. The French director of The Met said, quote, Karl Lagerfeld was one of the most captivating, prolific and recognisable forces in fashion and culture. Known as much for his extraordinary designs and tireless creative output as for his legendary persona. This immersive exhibition will unpack his singular artistic practice, inviting the public to experience an essential part of Lagerfeld's boundless imagination and passion for innovation. I think all these things are true. You cannot deny that Karl Lagerfeld had impact in the fashion industry. He's one of the most well-known figures in the fashion industry. He's almost like a caricature of Chanel now. Um, But he's also worked with other houses like Fendi and Chloe in the past. And he passed away a couple of years ago now. So why are people so mad about this? Yeah, one of the most outspoken people to um, to kind of condemn this theme uh, has been Jamila Jamil, who took to Instagram to kind of express her outrage and why she thinks that he shouldn't be honoured in this way. So we'll read out some of her caption now. This man was indeed supremely talented, but used his platform in such a distinctly hateful way, mostly towards women, so repeatedly and up until the last years of his life, showing no remorse, offering no atonement, no apology, no help to groups he attacked. There was no explanation for his cruel outbursts. Why is this who we celebrate when there are so many amazing designers out there who aren't bigoted white men? What happened to everyone's principles and advocacy? You don't get to stand for justice in these areas and then attend the celebration of someone who reveled in his own public disdain for marginalised people. 
sorry, but no, this isn't the 90s. We didn't fight all this shit just to throw it all away because some white guy made some pretty clothes for people's skinny faves. Come on now. I also saw that Jamila said, like, this is probably ending my relationship with Vogue, but, like, and then kind Mm. of spoke out on it. Yeah, a few of the comments were, like, in a non- in a, the way I was going to say it sounds sarcastic, but they were like, you're so brave for this, mm. <laughs> which is true though, because we all know how that industry works. Like, yeah, we've got to please people, right? Yeah. And I think Jamila has such a history of not really mm-hmm. caring about that or going against the status quo for better or for worse. Um, but it must be hard. I think people, uh, for good reason in some, mm. like sometimes a bit like, so iffy to talk ill of the dead right um Mm. but I am glad that people like Jamila are speaking out about this because I think I knew that he had some shady behavior but I didn't really know exactly what Mm. um I wrote up like a short piece about this for refinery this week so I got to dive through the archives a bit and my goodness this man was so inflammatory Mm. yeah I remember this stuff coming out when he died people kind of being like why is everyone celebrating like kind of commemorating his life like he was an awful human being. Mm. Um, So if you're not aware of his comments, we'll give you a bit of a rundown. So Lagerfeld was outspoken about his belief that runway models should be sample size models, meaning that they shouldn't be over a size Australian six. Quote, no one wants to see curvy women, he told Focus in 2009, and he dubbed supermodel Heidi Klum too heavy and said that Adele was, quote, a little too fat. Yeah, and he had this whole thing um, about seeing obesity as such like a health hazard for the general population. He defended fashion's obsession with thin women, calling fatness, quote, dangerous and very bad for the health. When asked about Chanel's obligation to represent, quote, slightly healthier models as opposed to, quote, very thin models, Carl brushed off the question like he looked really annoyed and he labelled the question as a bore and ridiculous before touting the dangers of obesity. Like um, he was just so dismissive in all Mm -hmm. these spaces time and time again. Interestingly enough, considering all these celebrities were part, you know, were around during the Me Too movement. Lagerfeld has famously disapproved of the Me Too movement. In 2018, just one year before his death, he said, quote, if you don't want your pants pulled about, don't become a model. Join a nunnery. There'll always be a place for you in the convent. And what shocks me most in all of this are the starlets who have taken 20 years to remember what happened, not to mention the fact there are no prosecution witnesses. Ugh. I know, like terrible stuff. There was another incident where he allegedly sent flowers to former IMF chief Dominique Strauss-Kahn after he was accused of sexual assault. So this is like the statement he gave with it, which just like baffles me that Carl said this. Anyway, he said, they all do it in the political world. They get horny from politics, from power, and he had unbelievable charms. He is really charming. He's fun. He's great. He's a sweet guy, as long as you're not a woman. What the hell? It's almost laughable. It's like you gotta laugh. Like I'm like I can't. Yeah. Like it's like so. It's so ridiculous. Like he um, just says these things. Yeah, I'm not defending him at all. Like this is obvi- obviously fucked up. And like I hate the kind of phrase like oh it was different back in their day, but. He was also like, I think we have left out the context for people who might not be aware. Karl Lagerfeld was born in 1933 
So he was like 85 when he died. Not excusing it at all, but just like I feel like it's important to mention like he obviously grew up in a different time. Yeah, his parents were literal Nazi party members, um, which isn't overly surprising because Coco Chanel was also Mm -hmm. one. Um, But it it really does kind of place, I guess, him in – like in a period of time, like like he was 85, you're right. It was a different time in some regards. Mm. Yeah, Coco Chanel was a Nazi sympathizer. Was she oh, actually yes. a Nazi? I don't know. I think she was a Nazi <laughs> sympathizer. Did we have this conversation on the podcast when there was the Chanel exhibition? Oh my God, or did we just have it in real life? Oh, one of the two. Yeah, anyway, we won't go into Coco Chanel because we could make a whole other, you know, podcast on that but also as a gay man himself Lagerfeld held contradicting and stifling thoughts about the LGBTQI plus community in 2010 he told Vice that he was against the idea of gay marriage quote I'm against it for a very simple reason in the 60s they all said we had the right to the difference and now suddenly they want a bourgeois life for me it's difficult to imagine one of the puppets at work and the other at home with the baby <laughs> how would that be for the baby I don't know. I see more lesbians married with babies than I see boys married with babies. And I also believe more in the relationship between mother and child than in that between father and child. He's giving um, he's giving shock jock. He's giving Kyle Sanderland. Yes. Oh, my God, the OG. The OG. So we have kind of recounted his steps and his quotes, but, like, we're still going to lap up the red carpet, right? Well, yeah, I find it really interesting because the Met Gala has always been like a landscape for political thoughts, activism, if you want to call it that, or, you know, statements. And I think definitely there will be some celebrities who choose to kind of um, take this moment to kind of speak Mm. out or have something quite daring with with their outfits. But saying that, there's definitely going to be heaps of celebrities that just honor him and his work in the fashion industry as well yeah um he's had so many relationships with i don't know people who, who attend the met anyway so i am intrigued and i wonder who would choose to not go as well yeah like cara delavine famously loved carl lagerfeld mm. and has recently done like an ai type collaboration with carl lagerfeld um and you know her costume last year was like fuck the patriarchy and this person obviously upheld the patriarchy. It's like, I wonder what she'll do this year. Like, she, she's always had, like, this really strong, almost, like, father-daughter relationship with Karl Lagerfeld, mm-hmm. at least publicly. I don't know. Um, and we know that Kristen Stewart is also has a contract with Chanel. So, but then also Kristen Stewart is queer. So, like, what's that going to be like? And, you know, the battle of ethics. But I think for a lot of the time, celebrities just, like, ignore it, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, he said some fucked up things. But anyway, let's go, like, dress up in mm-hmm. Chanel. Mm-mm-mm. Wait, I had no idea that Kara had that new collaboration with Carl. Mm-hmm. And I just looked it up. It's called Kara Loves Carl. Imagine if – okay, I'm not going to say that they're best friends. But, yeah, you're right, at least public facing. They were very close. I bet your friend died. And then a few years on, you do, like, a collaboration with a, with an <laughs> AI version of it. Yeah, like, you've got to unpack that in therapy. Like, Literally. Like, whose <gasps> idea was this? Kara. Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Oh, my God.
Before we get into the next segment, we would just like to put a content warning here for domestic violence and abuse. This week, um, it came out that Brad Pitt allegedly attacked Angelina Jolie and their children on a private plane back in 2016. So we as a public have access to court papers and in them, Angelina said that Brad was physically and emotionally abusive towards her and their six kids. They were aged between 8 and 15 at the time and this was during a flight from France um, to L.A., Angelina's lawyers alleged that Brad began shouting, accusing her of being, quote, too deferential to the children. Shortly into the flight, Brad, quote, pulled her into the bathroom in the back of the plane. The lawsuit also says that Pitt grabbed Jolie by the head and shook her and then grabbed her shoulders and shook her again before pushing her into the bathroom wall. Pitt then punched the ceiling of the plane numerous times, prompting Jolie to leave the bathroom. After one child verbally intervened, Mr. Pitt, quote, lunged at his own child. Angelina then, quote, grabbed him from behind to stop him. Yeah, the papers continued to get Jolie off his back. Pitt threw himself backwards into the airplane seats, injuring Jolie's back and elbow. The children rushed in and all bravely tried to protect each other. Before it was over, Pitt choked one of the children and struck another in the face. Uh, Angelina's lawyers um, say that afterwards she and her children, quote, sat still and silent on the blankets for the remainder of the flight. Shortly after, Angelina filed for divorce and the incident was actually investigated by the FBI in 2016 and authorities decided not to press charges, which is wild when you consider the allegations. Like choking a child, like that's pretty serious. That would be, you know, assault and assault of a minor in like any other situation. So like why was Brad not charged? So the reason why we're finding out this now is that there is a lawsuit over the couple's joint winery. There's this, sorry, rich people problems. (laughs) (laughs) Not relatable. The couple owns the Miraville Estate, which is located in the village of Corrins in southeastern France. It was bought by them for around 25 million euros, which is in Australian dollars, 38 million dollars. And they actually got married there. So Brad is suing Angelina, claiming that her decision to sell her stake in the estate to a Russian oligarch amounted to an attempt to, quote, undermine his investment and cause gratuitous harm to Mr. Pitt, who had, quote, poured money and sweat equity into the wine business. Angelina's lawyers um, spoke out about why Angelina actually wants to sell this business in the first place. They said that her decision was in part due to her, quote, growing increasingly uncomfortable with continuing to to participate in an alcohol-related business, given the impact of Pitt's acknowledged problem of alcohol abuse in their family. Mm. So in 2019, Brad actually told the New York Times that he had joined Alcoholics Anonymous following his split from Angelina. So that is proof in the New York Times that he's had issues with alcohol, but then Brad has denied these allegations about the fight on the plane. Um. I don't know if you're on this side of TikTok, but I've seen some stuff coming up about this and TikTok is saying that Brad seems like he's trying to revitalize his image. 
if you've noticed in the last couple of years, he's like been a bit goofy on red carpets. He's dressing in a bit more colorful clothes. He had the GQ spread, which was like almost harking back to his like 90s um, GQ shoot. But this one was more like dad vibes. Um, He's brought out the gender neutral skincare line recently. And it does feel like his image is going a bit towards like lovable dad like obviously he's getting on a bit in age um might be doing you know more like he's like seems a bit more like light-hearted right mm. I mean I'm not on this side of TikTok so Brad Pitt is like I feel like he's been in quite a few movies recently like mm. Bullet Train mm. but apart from that he is just not on my radar I like like when I was thinking about pop culture moments with him I think back to I think it was 2020 when it was that whole thing of him and uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston on that zoom call and they hadn't seen yeah. each other for like so many years like that was a big thing and people really fawned over him there but yeah for me he's just kind of like a dude you say you're not on the set of TikTok but did you see the kind of like cringeworthy almost interview with Brad Pitt on a red carpet where a journalist says like your kid just got into like this particular college you must be so proud and you see his face almost like flicker and he seems like he's like almost shocked and his eyes it's like literally a second that his eyes kind of widen then and then he like composed himself and he's like yeah yeah like I'm so proud of them and goes on but then everyone in the comments was like uh he did not know like this interview has just told him that like his kid got into this college like he seemed like he didn't know what was really going on oh my god Mm. no I didn't see that but I need to watch that now and also people like when all this abuse came out about like sorry all the allegations of the abuse came out people were like no wonder those kids haven't been seen with him yeah in years like that's proof enough of them because obviously there was such like a family unit and it did seem like the kids spend heaps 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 more time with Angelina they're not seen publicly as much with Brad yeah the thing that I did see on my TikTok though was a video of Emrata she has been going hard on the TikToks recently mm. we, we brought up what she was talking about uh, in terms of Marilyn Monroe and fetishizing pain uh, just like last week or something but she was talking about like violent men and mm. then all the whole comment section were, was, was like aren't you dating Brad Pitt Literally, because it kind of came out a week or two ago that she's yeah. been seen with Brad Pitt. Yeah, we'll put part of the clip in of what Emrata is saying just to give you some more context. Me too hasn't changed things in the world. Cancel culture has not changed things. All we have now are men who are afraid of consequences. And as a parent, I can tell you when you want to teach your child something like not to hit other kids, you don't want them to not hit other kids because they're scared of a timeout. You want them to not hit other kids because they have empathy and they understand that hurting other kids is not nice because it will hurt those kids and they don't want to hurt other kids. And I think in a post Me Too world, what we have is a lot of dudes who are like, like afraid of getting caught. I was going to do an impression of a dude. I'm not going to do that. Um, But I think they're just afraid of the consequences of their actions. They don't actually understand fundamentally why they need to change their actions. So that's not progress. Oh my God. The first comment when I look at this TikTok is from our friend Kitch, 
who says, okay, but Brad Pitt, and it has 1,085 likes. Go nice. off, Kitchy. <laughs> yeah, and then the comments continue, girl, you're literally dating Brad Pitt, but aren't you dating Brad Pitt? I'm confused. You should tell your friend Brad this. Um, <laughs> okay, feels weird listening to you talk about this when you've secretly been with Brad Pitt. So, you know, this is what happens when you begin speaking out on like every pop culture moment as a celebrity. I mean, we speak on every pop culture moment, but we don't have the platform that Emrata does. So everything you say is going to be like remembered and analyzed and all this. So um, I did think that was an interesting move, but maybe yeah. she's like not actually with Brad. Like maybe it was just like literally a kiss that got shot. I don't know. It Like it's still rumors. Yeah, it's still rumors, but it really does look like it's kind of undermining her argument mm-hmm. there. I um, mean, I understand why people are like, it's a little bit pissy about it. No one's mm. like raging, which is fair because no. she's not the one doing <laughs> the violence here. You know Literally. what I mean? Um, but yeah, I just I find that a weird couple pairing. Me too. Even though, yeah, let's say if they're just going on a few dates, I find that so strange. Mm. As in, like, I just don't picture the, I just don't picture them together because mm. I feel like they're from different worlds, which is so silly. Because you know they're rich and famous <laughs> and beautiful. <laughs> When I heard this story about Brad and Angelina, the first thing I was like, oh, my God, that's so scary. Like, no matter how much money you have, like, how famous you are to potentially, we don't know, but, like, to be the alleged victim of this type Mm. of abuse in an airplane, in the sky, like, you don't know what this person might be capable of, even if you've been married to them. Like, that would have been terrifying. And, like, Mm. I just feel for her and the kids if this is true. And, you know, I choose to believe women. Yeah, we kind of like skipped over talking about that start bit, I just realized, but I think the main thing coming off um like finding out about this alleged domestic abuse is like I feel so terrible that even like we need to know this. Like these are definitely like mm. private affairs of her and her like children. Mm. This shouldn't be like pop culture um like Tidbits stories. Kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's just yeah, it's really scary and really unfortunate. Um so yeah. As you have probably seen, Kanye West has once again made headlines this week during Paris Fashion Week. Guests were invited to a secret catwalk event, and before the hour and a half late Yeezy Season 9 show began, Ye told the audience, quote, Everyone here knows that I am the leader. You can't manage me. This is an unmanageable situation. Then, of course, the viral photos of his show appeared. During the show, T-shirts were featured with the slogan White Lives Matter emblazoned on the back. On the front, there was a photo of Pope John Paul II. During the show, Jaden Smith walked out. Conservative political commentator Candace Owens, who is a black woman, was also a guest at the show and she even posted an image of her and Ye with their backs to the camera wearing the T-shirts. There was also a similar photo of Kanye and Lauren Hill's daughter, Sella Marley, who is Bob Marley's granddaughter, wearing a White Lives Matter t-shirt. All of this, of course, caused criticism and controversy. Vogue fashion editor and stylist Gabriella Karifa Johnson attended the show and afterwards uh, she shared constructive and thoughtful feedback about Kanye's collection. She did this by posting screenshots of a private conversation um, that she had with her friend 
and in those screenshots like she was quite generous and she tried to see Mm. the artistic point of view that Kanye was trying to convey through the collection quote he was trying to illustrate a dystopian world in the future when whiteness might become extinct or at least would be in enough danger to demand defense but the danger is that this very premise the idea that white supremacy is in danger of extinction is what justifies mass incarceration, murder on mass, indeed, even the advent of slavery. Gabriella also called the shirt, quote, deeply offensive, violent, and dangerous. And she definitely was not the only one to mm. have a say on this. Um, of course, it lit up the internet as soon as, you know, Candace Owens posted this picture. Um Multiple people walked out, Jaden Smith most notably because of given his celebrity status. Um, but after this, Kanye began a bullying campaign basically against Gabriella on Instagram. In a since-deleted post, there was a photo of Gabriella who looked beautiful in like, you know, those Fashion Week photos that you see. Mm-hmm. It's like a street-style photo. Kanye wrote, quote, this is not a fashion person. You speak on yay, I'm a speak on you. Ask Trevor Noah. Random reference. He then posted a close-up of Gabrielle's boots, which were also a sleigh, and then brought in Vogue's Anna Wintour, writing in all caps, I know Anna hates these boots. Anna was coincidentally at the Yeezy show and hasn't commented publicly or personally about this behavior but other celebrities did Mm. um most notably Gigi Hadid um so she commented on Kanye's Instagram post writing you wish you had a percentage of her intellect you have no idea if there's actually a point to any of your shit she might be the only person that could save you as if the honor of being invited to your show should keep someone from giving their opinion lol you're a bully and a joke I loved that comment so much like I feel like it sums it up so well like if there's a point to any of your shit she might be the only person that could save you which is so true and that's why Gabriella was like being so kind of like analytical and critical um rather than just like straight up like this is awful she was like I'm trying to see it but I don't see it um Gigi also shared her support for Gabriella on her Instagram stories calling her quote one of the most important voices in our industry who could school that disgraceful man in more ways than he knows. Scream. Scream. Like, honestly, like, did not expect Gigi or, like, honestly, really any, like, white celebrity mm. of her calibre in her kind of spot in the industry to do this publicly. I just feel like most people do just actually keep silent. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean. Good. Yeah, and Hayley Bieber also showed her support. GKJ all day, every day in caps. My respect for you runs deep, my friend. I saw a few tweets on this and a lot of people were theorizing that Kanye didn't know who Gabriella was. She's one of the biggest voices in fashion and especially US fashion and she actually gained like hundreds of thousands of followers yeah. in like two days during when all this was like at its peak. And I think because of that, Everyone coming to her defense, you know, even his so-called friends were like, dude, what are you doing? Um, it seemed like he was backtracking quite quickly after that. 
Completely. So I want to pick up on that point though, because I think he would, because it's like, like know who she is mm. or something. Because like, why would he be so fired up about her words in particular? When yeah, like you mentioned, other people were saying, um, like these sort of things, like leveling some sort of criticism at him and his collection. Mm. But he chose to chose to kind of pluck her out of the crowd. I and- feel like he tried to pluck her out of the crowd because she's like a fat black woman. Yeah. And obviously he's dealing with a lot of, like, internalised racism. Yeah, of course. Um, So, and we know he's, like, a misogynist. So I think that's what it was, like, in my opinion. And Gabrielle actually spoke out about that. She's, like, on her own Instagram, she spoke about, like, being a fat black woman and, like, having this spot in the industry and all that stuff. So, you know, I think that's what she picked out of it as well. Yeah, there was also this article on Refinery29 by Vanessa Koger. Um, It's called, and I think like this headline just sums up how I Mm -hmm. feel about this whole situation. Let's ignore Kanye West and put some respect on Gabriella Karifa Johnson's name. In the article, she says, For someone who acts like he's beyond judgment, he cares a lot about what people think. That's why it's so common to see him lash out when public opinion isn't in his favour. The sad truth is that in this industry, you don't see many black folks, especially black women, being given the opportunity to sit in the rooms that Karifa Johnson is in or to do the things that she's been able to do, regardless of their skill or ability. We're so often told to be careful about the things that we say, that we can't ruffle anyone's feathers if we want to succeed in this business. Seeing West, an outsider who we've watched fight to get into this same elitist space, use his influence to bully and degrade someone who's also beat the odds in fashion is frustrating, even though we should be fully accustomed to his frequent violations. But no more. Genius or not, we're not going to sit quietly and watch this man initiate and allow a black woman to be dogpiled on for having a valid opinion and concern. Yeah, so then Kanye looked like he was backtracking quite quickly. On Tuesday, he posted another photo of Gabriella claiming that the two of them had met privately to hash things out. Um, In the caption, he said, Gab is my sister. I'm not letting people go to bed thinking I didn't meet with Gabrielle at 5 p.m. today for two hours. Then we went to dinner at 30. Um, Gigi pointed out in the comments, it's Gabriella, mm. which I just love that. Yeah, so sassy. Another weird detail is that he also claimed that Anna Wintour had arranged for Baz Luhrmann <laughs> to film their meeting. I want to see this footage so bad. What the hell? Kanye concluded in all caps, we apologize to each other for the way we made each other feel. We actually got along and have both experienced the fight for acceptance in a world that's not our own. She disagreed. I disagreed. We disagreed. At least we both love Ferdy and fashion. On that same day, Vogue came to Gabriella's defense in an Instagram post. Um, they said, quote, Vogue stands with Gabriella Karifa Johnson, our global fashion editor at large and longtime contributor. She was personally targeted and bullied. It is unacceptable. Now more than ever, voices like hers are needed. And in a private meeting with Ye today, she once again spoke her truth in a way she felt best on her terms. So since then, Ye has posted more rambling Instagram images and statements and captions, including one that featured anti-Semitic language. Instagram deleted this particular post. Ye also went on a show on Channel Fox with political commentator Tucker Carlson. So if you don't know who that is, you've probably seen him like in people on TikTok, like debunking his like opinions and takes where it's like, 
the woke left want like, I don't know, trans happy meals, like that kind of like crazy, you know, conflating everything, awful right-wing stuff. Kanye also got in an Instagram fight with Khloe Kardashian and P. Diddy on Instagram and his Adidas partnership is under review. Like it's a lot happening for Kanye. So I was really conflicted this week. I was like, do we talk about this? Do uh, we, because we are also the media, like do we keep giving him oxygen? I've seen kind of arguments on both sides. I've seen people be like, just stop talking about him and he'll go away. But I've seen other people be like, no, we need to like critically analyze him and like call him out on his shit like what, you know, Gabriella and Gigi have been doing this week because like otherwise it just creates – it's like almost like Trumpian in the way that it just like creates more fringe groups and like then who knows what could happen. Like he shouldn't be enabled. I don't know. What do you think? I'm glad that you brought this up um, because there was a great piece in Teen Vogue that was written by their editor-in-chief, Versha Sharma, and she talks about this, mm. I think, in like in a great way because it is like the the I guess it's like a letter to the editor kind of mm-hmm. thing. Sorry, letter from the editor. Um, but it's directed to media and people who have like spaces to – talk publicly about this I mean like kind of like us I guess um it was titled a plea to fashion media stop covering Kanye West uncritically so let's read out a bit there is no purpose for this kind of conduct it only gets enabled by free fawning media attention so again I come with a plea to fashion editors journalists headline writers social media managers and editors in chief please stop covering Kanye uncritically Every post about one of his fits of the day, every tweet about his latest collaboration, which will eventually fall apart, every meeting you take or show you cover, it's all enabling complicit behavior. We need to make a collective concerted effort to stop and make it last for more than one season, as one of my staff members said this morning. Any uncritical airtime or website slash social media space you offer only adds fuel to the fire of attention seeking. If you must cover them, cover them with context, an eye towards accuracy, reality, history, and motivation. And know that each bit of attention you give them is attention you're not giving to someone else, including young emerging designers who may deserve a chance. Such a good point. And um, Versha herself has a background in political journalism. She started off there and, um, yeah, she talks about the similarities, like you mentioned before, uh, between like Trump and the way we cover mm. Trump and look at people like Kanye as well. And we have talked about him and we are mindful of the mental health struggles he goes through as well. But I do think like the media definitely has like, what's that word? <laughs> what do men lack? Accountability. <laughs> Can you remember the word? Yeah, I'm so, so sorry. Good. I was like, oh, what's that saying? What accountability? Oh my god. <laughs> no, but seriously, the media does have accountability and choice here as well. Like the way that we mm. cover people really does matter. So yeah. Yeah, I think the whole like lol Kanye's at it again, like that isn't helpful. But I think like people like the cut or publications, sorry, like the cut, Teen Vogue, um, ones that are like critically kind of asking questions, even L. Um, I think there's space for that. But yeah, the ones that are like, Kanye has another meltdown on Instagram. Like, that's not helping anyone.
get ready because the most annoying girls in your life are just about to get more annoying because yes taylor swift is about to drop her new album at the end of october wait was that internalized misogyny i heard in your intro no honey it's just maybe yes why are taylor swift <laughs> it was annoying it was just a twitter jokes but who who's starting them anyway i mean maybe we're reclaiming yeah being annoying maybe we're reclaiming it um are you excited for her album? So excited. I've really leaned into Taylor Swift this year, um, really loving her music. So I'm just really excited to get some new music in my ears. Yeah, me too. I've seen the funniest TikToks about like what they think Taylor Swift's album's going to be. Yes! We posted it's one. Like we posted That's it. That's right, it's by like, Abby yeah. Butler, who's hilarious. Um and we got some comments from people, right, being like, but wait, I love her. We were like, oh, my God, no, we love Taylor too, but we're just making fun. Like, it's fine. Yes. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm really keen for her album, but honestly, I'm not loving the, like, publicity uh, for it. Not to hate on Taylor, but, like, the whole bingo card, oh, here's the next, mm. name, here's the next name of this album. Like, what is that? Okay, that's interesting because at the start, I was really enjoying it. So apparently this year, I am very much on Taylor Swift talk and I was getting fed a lot of this like Easter egg and fan theory discourse and it was quite interesting. And I think Taylor's obviously very smart because she is like like a massive, massive fan base who is so like dedicated, pays attention to every detail. I coined I coined the term like gamification of their attention. Mm. Um, that that tweet got zero likes, so it's fine. <laughs> like Taylor Swift's gamification of attention. I was like, wow, that's so smart. Anyway, no one else saw that. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I think to some extent, it is like fascinating and enthralling being involved in her fandom because, like, I don't know, it reminds me of like reading fantasy books as a mm. teenager or something, right? So we saw the back covers of her Midnight's album, Making a Clock. She talked about in her speech like her three types of writing styles. I feel like you would have loved this, Jazz. She talks about she's got quill lyrics and fountain pen lyrics and glitter gel pen lyrics, like the mm. different vibes of words. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with that. Yeah, I love that. But I just think the whole like – if you haven't seen them, she posts these videos on Instagram where she it's like once a week releases the next like track of her album like randomly. Um and I found myself scrolling past them. And I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, but I don't know. I'm just like maybe it's the whole like Easter egg, like playing into the fandom. I don't know. But anyway, we're gonna get deeper into it because one reigning theme of these Taylor Swift fan theories is about Taylor's sexuality. The rumors have been going on for years um, that Taylor is queer, but the album launch has really brought them back into the mainstream. As an intro or explainer, we'll read out some of this Jezebel piece by Caitlin Cruz called The Enduring Fervor of Gayla Fan Theory. Gayla, or the theory that Taylor Swift is gay, is a cluster of distinct yet overlapping suppositions about Swift's sexuality by pan queer fluid that hinges upon her purported romantic partners, models, actresses, musicians, friends, and lyrical clues discovered within her music. A lot of pronoun changes, themes of yearning, and secret love. Some Gaylas want to give Swift a safe place to land when they predict she inevitably comes out. 
Others love the true crime element, tracing the timeline of public figures who've crossed paths with Swift, and most gaylers treat every song, photo, piece of social media content, and interview related to Swift with the care of someone attempting to decode the Rosetta Stone. So you've kind of expressed your kind of annoyance about these conspiracy theories, hey, Jazz, Um, and I feel like you know, we were just talking about like the bingo reveal of her track Mm. names. I feel like it becomes even more serious when it's talking about her sexuality. It's not just some like little game, is it? Mm. Yeah. I've kind of like indulged in it a little bit, you know, lacking the kind of Diana Agron or Carly Kloss like fan edits they make, which is, I don't know if you're also on um, like Harry and Louis TikTok where everyone ships them as a couple and like there's all the little secret like touches and interviews and I do indulge in that kind of as almost as like a guilty pleasure because I know it's wrong, right? I'm like, we shouldn't be like pining after these, like it's basically a relationship that's never been confirmed. It's none of our business. It's none of our business who people love. But there is something like I know something you don't about it almost, like in a way of like, I don't know if I'm explaining that properly, but yeah, I guess that's part of being a fandom, right? Like you feel like you're in on something. And this time it's not just like an innocent thing. It's like someone's sexuality that Taylor's never really confirmed. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I really wanted us to talk about this as well, because I just wanted to to actually get to the crux of it Mm -hmm. actually ask, is it problematic or dangerous for fans to be speculating and investigating Taylor's sexuality? Like, is it actually bad Mm -hmm. or is it like hard to find? Like, does it actually affect her that was like the main thing I'm like she is she is a person who is an icon like a role model to so many um like uh, almost like do the pros outweigh the cons kind of thing I'm like is it actually causing her distress or annoyance or whatever and up until perhaps the last couple of days she has been quite silent about this and up until then it like was it okay to speculate about this yes that's exactly what I was going to say like I feel like before this week it was kind of like a almost like just a part of the Taylor Swift fandom and now she's pretty much called it out um you know this Friday she called it out so I think from now on the fact that she's kind of come out and said what she said which we will get into um I think that changes things for the fandom and for people who are like basically begging someone to come out which is so toxic right like we should no one should ever feel forced to come out like she might not even be queer yeah um so the way I kind of learned that something had happened in the Taylor Gaylor community was my TikTok was just freaking out people were like I'm going underground like I'm not posting again like I can't believe this happened blah 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 Mm -hmm. Anyway, it took me like a good old day to like actually go and like figure out like, and like search up what happened. And what happened was Taylor um, announced the latest track of her upcoming album and the song title was called Lavender Haze. So briefly, the Gala community were celebrating because they assumed that Taylor's use of a historically queer colour, purple, lavender, in the song's title meant that they were winning which isn't a great way to put it but after announcing the song title taylor actually elaborated on some things and we're gonna put the clip in here 
Lavender Haze is track one on Midnight's. And I happened upon the phrase Lavender Haze when I was watching Mad Men. And I looked it up because I thought it sounded cool. And it turns out that it's a common phrase used in the 50s where they would just describe being in love. Like if you were in the Lavender Haze, then that meant that you were in that all-encompassing love glow. And I thought that was really beautiful. And um, I guess theoretically when you're in the Lavender Haze, you'll do anything to stay there um, and not let people bring you down off of that cloud. Um, and I think a lot of people have to deal with this now, not just like quote unquote public figures because we live in the era of social media and if the world finds out that you're in love with somebody, they're gonna weigh in on it. Um, like my relationship for six years, we've had to dodge weird rumors, tabloid stuff, and we just ignore it. Um, and so this song is sort of about the act of ignoring that stuff to protect, to protect the real stuff. I hope you guys like it. Okay, so I watched this and Taylor's face mm. is quite stern in it as well. Like each word she is saying is like loaded with meaning and she kind of looks pissed, mm. right? Am I, or are we just projecting? No, I think so. It feels like she's putting her foot down and that's what yeah. I mean by like – like the, after this week, I feel like it's different. Like Harry and Louis never publicly said anything. They just kind of like silently stopped like hanging out or whatever. But like this feels like she's almost putting a line in the sand and being like, like I'm in a happy relationship. I've been in a happy relationship for six years. So stop making up weird rumors. Not saying that being queer is weird at all. You know what I mean? Just stop making up these rumors that like, you know, I'm something that I might not be. Well. I was personally like, oh, a bit like shocked that she actually used the word weird, like weird rumors. Yeah. Like it did feel a bit targeted. And mm. if it, it did, I can imagine that hurting for a Yes, I feel like it wasn't well. the best choice of words, even though I literally just said it and kind of quoting her. <laughs> yeah, but that's but like, <laughs> yeah, I agree that that wasn't the best wording. If this is what she's talking about. But like a lot of the community were like, but what else would she be talking about? She's. Because the other rumor is that about like her relationship with Joe, right? And people were like, that's not a weird rumor. The only other rumor yeah. is that she's queer. So she's calling us weird. I can understand like that thinking. Yeah. And on TikTok, I've seen quite a few mixed reactions. So some people kind of like respective, respectfully being like, I take back what I said about her and Joe. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, I don't want to like add on to this kind of thing. But there have been other people, <laughs> other people with other emotions. One particular video in response to Taylor's statement has blown up on Gayla TikTok so much so that I was barely getting any Gayla content and now this has been like my feed all tonight. So this video is by Kaylee Overfield, who the New York Times recently dubbed the lesbian Perez Hilton of TikTok. In the video, Kaylee says, quote, you're coming at us right now. Are you kidding me? Us Gaylers, we are Ukraine. Taylor, you just handed Russia nuclear bombs. In the poorly timed analogy, Russia is the Hitler community, as in heterosexual and Taylor. Hitler. Just going to pause there for dramatic effect I because know. what is that name? Right. <laughs> and yeah, so they're the people who believe swift is straight so this like blew up the community even the gala subreddit on reddit went private um people were writing posts about how devastating the new update was 
They began to feel like she was queer baiting and how this is one of the biggest mistakes she's ever made. Yeah. So one user wrote, she basically hit the big red homophobia button. She just gave the Hitlers all the justification they need to be even more homophobic and hateful towards us. I don't really care if she is or isn't gay, but damn does it hurt for her to have basically given them the green light. Mm. Yeah, because like I feel like you, like you mentioned at the start, it's like this weird infighting that is happening mm-hmm. in a fandom, which happens in like all fandoms. But this one, when it's identity based mm. and like people in the gala community are typically queer, like this is like an attack on them when, when it seems like, yes, it's about Taylor, but it's really about themselves as well. Yeah. But do you think that like this is almost Taylor's own, not like the, the rumors, but like, she has fostered this kind of fan culture. Do you remember she used to like have listening parties back in the day and like you had to be the super fan to like get invited to the listening parties and she's always had the Easter eggs and she just randomly dropped two albums on us with like no warning and like she indulges in this like Easter egg um, kind of culture and riles fans up about little clues. Like that's what I mean about the whole bingo thing. It's like what's it going to be this week? What other artist does that? I understand she's like trying to build hype, but she doesn't need hype. She dropped two albums like nothing and they went platinum and gold and whatever. Like she doesn't need to be doing this. She could just wait like every other artist because obviously she's Taylor Swift. Her album is going to blow up anyway. She Like why is she building the hype and being like, this is the next song off the album and like then getting the fans all like hyped and then there's like infighting. I'm not like blaming taylor swift for the rumors like i feel like people need to just tone it down a bit but like she has fostered this culture of easter egg stuff do you agree 100 percent. yeah no because i feel like i feel like maybe this is because i wasn't really involved in the taylor swift fandom a few years ago but at least a few years ago it's quite subtle it's like small things that were perhaps like easter eggs like people had to go hunting for them mm. but now like this bingo thing on instagram every single day it's like oh no like this is like she's really the one driving Mm. this and it's obviously good for her financially gets people talking about her gets people excited for the album whether you like her or not or whatever side of the gala taylor Mm. (laughs) taylor whatever um side you sit on you're like oh i'm gonna go listen to these songs to like figure out her sexuality or whatever like she does play into it not necessarily like the sexuality part but like the fact that her fans are like hyper aware of like yeah. everything everything she does is like a symbol I like I could not live that way no because yeah you just be second guessing everything you do so I wonder where this will go I kind of like in a few weeks want to follow up on like what our TikTok algorithm yeah. algorithms give us and you know what the reaction is post album is this making Gaylas like totally switch off from the fandom? I don't think so, but like potentially, um, yeah. We will, I guess, check back in once the music drops. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. Aside from Taylor Swift TikToks, what have you been watching, listening to, reading, loving this week? 
Oh my God, you have called me out. I have been on TikTok a lot more this week, but putting that aside for my recommendation, which is a book, it is called Marshmallow and it is written by Melbourne-based writer and photographer, Victoria Hannon. Um, I literally swallowed this book in two days. I mean, the writing was kind of big, but it was like almost 300 words or something like that. I have not 300 words or 300 pages. (laughs) 300 pages. Like I read a paragraph. (laughs) Yes. Um, Honestly, I don't remember the last time I finished a book that quickly, which is why I wanted to recommend this. Mm. So essentially a little plot summary or little blurb is that this book is revolved around five friends and they have experienced like an unspeakable tragedy together about like a year ago um and you know you you don't really find out until a little while in but essentially this book is a look at grief and friendship and love and identity like big things like that um and it was just really like I just kept wanting to read it I think I told you Jess like I saw you at work and I was like I had to like read this like keep reading while I was brushing my teeth like I didn't want to stop it's not like a it's not necessarily plot driven at all and it's not like a thriller or something um but it was just captivating I really wanted to know what happened with the characters and it, it does actually um flick between all the five characters so there are you know perspective changes which I'm not always the biggest fan of but I think this one uh, was yeah. good and actually added to the to the book um yeah I I really enjoyed this one and I gave it to my mum to read as well I was like bring it to the office is it set in Melbourne yes it's set in Melbourne which I is always that. such a treat hey like mm-hmm. and it spans pretty far I feel like it's predominantly in the north suburbs but then like one of the couple friends are in the south like their parents are in brighton and then like interesting it's a bit everywhere which is always a treat mm. okay well when mama zow finishes can i please read it <laughs> of course you can jazz thank you well it's another episode done right on time <laughs> yes thanks again dear listeners for tuning in if you enjoy listening to us please give us a little spotify like a little star review it literally takes like two seconds yay and we will see you next week bye bye bye